Good morning again. For those of you who are watching or listening online or maybe listening later, welcome. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman. We would love for you to check in so you can use the Church Center app. You can use the check-in card if you're here on site. Or you can text the word here to 603-225-2550. And why do we do that? Because we want to be able to catch up with you and, and keep up with you, let you know what's going on at Cornerstone. We are in a series called Praxis. And that comes from a Greek word that talks about our way of acting or our course of action. What are the things that we as followers of Jesus do as our course of action in following Jesus? Now, our mission as a church is to inspire and equip people to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And this whole series is very heavy on the equipping side. And we're going to be equipping you again today. Uh, We have been talking about how our pattern of the things that we do follow Jesus' pattern, knowing God, communing with God on a regular basis, growing together. We are Jesus' apprentices, and we are learning together, and that we go and make a difference. And this whole series is organized around the idea that in this pattern, there are next steps. We always want you to be making progress as a follower of Jesus. We want you to be taking next steps. So what are those next steps that we talk about? Well, there's saying yes, which is our shorthand for following Jesus. All of us when we come to recognize the truth of the gospel, that what Jesus did on the cross can count for us, our sins can be forgiven, we can have a fresh start and a clean slate with God, and we say yes to that and follow him from that point on. But also, there's a daily practice of following Jesus by saying yes, just kind of like blank check, Lord, today is your day, you do with me what you want, and the practice The discipline, the habit that we would like you to establish is to have a time where you're reading and responding to God's word on a daily basis. And we do that through the life journaling, which we've talked about before. But also under that knowing God, that communing with God, there's a public side of that, a a corporate uh, congregational side of that. And that's our worship. So the next step is worship, and we, the practice is what we're doing right now. It's our worshiping together on a weekly basis. And so that helps to answer this question, how can I keep making progress? I have found, both personally and by observation, after doing this for many, many years, that if a person wants to keep making progress spiritually... One of the foundational habits, disciplines, the course of action that they're going to follow, if that's going to be the case, is that they will worship together on a regular basis. Now, I recognize as I look around here and even look uh, through the camera that I am preaching to the choir. This is by definition preaching to the choir. I'm saying it's important to worship. It's important to gather together on a Sunday morning. And who am I saying that to? The people who have gathered together on a Sunday morning. So I get that. However, this will be helpful to you as well uh, because... It will give you words and ways of describing and talking about why it is important to worship together on a regular basis. If somebody asks you, well, 
why do you go to church? How would you answer that? And I know I've found in talking to people, when I suggest going to church, uh, there, there can be a couple of different responses. Sometimes it's like, oh, you, th- you must think I'm a really bad sinner that I need to go to church on a regular basis. Well, yeah, join the crowd. We're all kind of in that boat. But no, it's not something that you prescribe for people who are doing poorly. And then on the other side of that, sometimes people say, I don't need to go to church to prove that I'm a spiritual person. I don't need, well, no, you don't have to prove anything, but if you want to continue to grow, it's not, it's not a mark of achievement to go on a weekly basis. It is something that we do because we want to, and we want to keep on growing. But I also wanted to do a message like this because there, there are people that move in and out of the orbit of our church. Very often when people are checking out a church, they will first listen or watch online Most of the time, by the time a person shows up and is sitting in one of these seats, they've already listened to several messages by that point. So it's a good thing to just kind of throw it out there. This is why it's important. This is where where we are coming from and give you words in order and ways of talking about it when you have the opportunity as well, because this is a foundational habit of followers of Jesus and has been since the early days of the followers of Jesus. So how can you keep making progress? You're going to love this. The message is called Worship Together. And we are talking about gathering together. So I'm going to give you a very detailed and difficult and deep outline for this message. But It's going to be so simple, easy. You will be able to remember it and you'll be able to actually give this message. So you won't be surprised when I say that the bottom line for today is to worship together weekly. Worship together weekly. This message has three points. Don't bother writing them down. We'll come back to it as well, but you probably won't even need to write it down. The first point is to worship. The second point is together. And the third point is weekly. Very good. Now, for a change, I always give you an application step too as well. The next step for this message. And today's next step for this message is worship together weekly. You've got it. I'm, I'm almost unnecessary at this point. You, you could, you've memorized the message. You could get up here and you could give it. Um, so let's look at the scripture. And for the scripture, I have three passages and I have some help today. So uh, you ladies can come on up. I'll get the microphone for you. Laura and Joan are going to be my uh, readers today. So we each have a passage uh, who did I give Matthew to? That was, that was you, Laura, right? Okay, so sh- this is, these are the key passages. In some cases, I've asked them to read a little bit more. Uh, she's going to read Matthew 12, 1 to 8. Uh, Joan is going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, although in the message, we're going to focus in on 8 through 10. And I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 10. So, Laura. Here we go. Good morning. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. 
But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting rain, grain on the Sabbath. Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Thank you. Joan. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Thank you. Now, you guys can stay up here, because I'm going to finish reading. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to read... Uh, beginning a little bit earlier, like we did with the other ones. Uh, and I'm going to start at verse 19. And uh, Laura read from the New Living Translation. Uh, Joan read from the Christian Standard Bible, and I'm reading from the message. So, friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared his, the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. So let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let us keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Thank you. You guys can have a seat and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. 
Lord, for some, this will be an established conviction. For others, it will be uh, reinforcing something that they've heard before. For others, it will be a new challenge. Lord, I pray that as we talk through this, as we look at your word, that you will speak to each of us in a fresh way. Give us the encouragement that we need. Help us know exactly what you are saying to us and how we need to respond to what we hear from you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you very much. So let's... uh, Let's look at that first part. Now, when we were reading Matthew chapter 12, that may have sounded familiar because it's a parallel passage to what we looked at last week, in the la- especially at the last point when we were talking about the Sabbath as a worship. And I wanted to bring you to this passage again because uh, the passage in Mark, like many passages in Mark, is the very kernel, the very nugget, a, a very like Reader's Digest condensed version of the story. And there's often more information in the other gospels than there is in this case as well. So when we look at worship and how over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Sabbath as worship. We ended up with this. This is from Mark chapter two, the parallel passage the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. And so when you are Sabbathing, when you are setting aside time for rest and worship, you are worshiping. You are recognizing Jesus as who he is. Now, there are two passages here that they focus in on, on Matthew chapter 12, two stories from the Old Testament. It's talking about David. When he went into the house of God, he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. So the charge against Jesus and his disciples was that they were breaking the Sabbath as they were going through the grain fields on the Sabbath and breaking off the heads of grain, eating them, having a snack. And they were saying, nope, that qualifies as as reaping and as threshing. So that's work. You cannot do that. So Jesus, in response, points them back to two passages in the Old Testament. This one we saw last week as well. David is, uh, has been anointed as king, but Saul is still king. And so he and his men are on the run. They go into the place of worship. They take the bread that is only allowable for the priest to eat, and they eat it because they're hungry. They need it. The priest gives it to him. Then there's a second uh, example. He says, and haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priest on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? In other words, you know, I can relate to this. It's the Sabbath, but the priest in the temple are still going about their work. They're still doing their job. So they're working on the Sabbath, but they are, they are considered innocent of breaking the Sabbath. And then, and here's the key. If you, if you understand this next phrase, this next sentence that Jesus says, you will understand this whole passage. He says, I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. This whole passage is about Jesus' identity and pointing people to Jesus. And the Pharisees who were condemning Jesus and his disciples for breaking the Sabbath were saying, this is more important. And Jesus is saying, no, because I'm who I am, 
that's the most important thing, is to recognize who I am. So in the, here's what ties these passages together. In the first passage, David's mission was more important as to whether or not who could eat the bread. So because David was the anointed king and he was on mission from God for that purpose, that superseded whether he could eat the bread or not. In the second passage, the priests at the temple are doing their job. They are worshiping. They are fulfilling their duties. That supersedes the, uh, the, the work of the temple supersedes the need to take that rest on Sabbath for those that are at work in the temple. And so what Jesus is saying is there's somebody greater than the temple here. And by implication, he's, always, he's also saying there's somebody greater than King David here. And he's saying, because I am who I am, I, it supersedes, it's more important than all that stuff. So this ties in to the idea of worship. Because remember, we defined worship like this last week. It's the acknowledgement of God in every aspect of life. They were acknowledging the rules, but they weren't acknowledging Jesus for who he is. And so they missed the point. When we set aside a time for worship and rest to acknowledge God in our lives, we are worshiping. We are acknowledging Jesus for who he is. And the, the, one of the ways that I want you to understand worship is to give space for God at work. Why do people not take time off? Why do people work through Sunday and, and say, I have all these things that I have to do and I just don't have any other opportunities? What they're saying is in essence, it's all up to me right? I have to take care of this stuff. If I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. What you are doing when you step back, when you cease from your labors, is you're saying, I recognize it's not all up to me. I could work 24-7 and still some stuff is not going to get done. There are some things that I don't have the lever to pull to make it right. So I'm just going to acknowledge that and I'm going to say, Lord, you're in control. I recognize that I'm not in control and I can't do everything. So I'm going to leave space for you to work. And so you can think of that. That's, that's the way that you acknowledge God. I'm going to say, I can't do everything. I'm going to leave some space for God to work and recognize that I can't make everything happen. A very similar passage that kind of reinforces that at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is going through the law and encouraging the people. And he says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant. We think it's all up to us. We think we've got to work hard. Uh, work hard, that's great. But also recognize that God is ultimately in control and he's the one who does the work. So 
Worshiping together weekly is worship. It's an acknowledgement in your schedule, in your life, that God is God and that you are not. So we worship, but we also do it together. We do it together. It's a time for gathering. Uh, lots of passages I could look at, but I'm going to focus in on something that this one is so rich. It's, uh, it could be a whole message in and of itself. I'll try not to make it one, but let's look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I picked this verse because it talks about the idea of the church. The word church shows up in there. Here's what you need to know about the word church when you see it in the Bible. It's not talking about an organization, an incorporated uh, entity. It's not talking about a building. It's not talking about an hour on Sunday in your schedule. It's talking about a group of people. The Greek word, which some of you will have heard before because it's pretty commonly bandied about sometimes, is ekklesia. It literally means the called out ones. In their culture, it was the people who would, you know, we have assemblymen. Well, this was the people who would assemble to do the business of the city. But it was also, and here's the more important root of it, it was also the word that the, the, the Greek translators of the Old Testament used when it was talking about the people of God, the congregation of God. So it's talking about the people. It's the people, not a place, not a building, not an organization, not a time in your schedule. It's the people. So in this passage, Jesus has asked his disciples, who do you say I am? They say, or, uh, or who do people say I am? They throw about different things, different theories that people have. Then he says, who do you say I am? And Peter famously replies, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ you are the son of God. And so in response, Jesus says this. Now I say that you are Peter. He had nicknamed Simon Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, now there's a lot of confusion, a lot of different theories on this. I think the best uh, understanding of that is this. This idea that, because he's already told Peter, you didn't figure that out on your own, that I'm the Christ. That was revealed to you. And this revelation a recognition of Jesus as the Christ. Jesus is the foundation of the church. It's that rock. So he's doing a play on words. On that rock, that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus is the son of God and the work that he will do, that's the foundation of the church. And Jesus says, I will build my congregation, my people on this. And the powers of hell will not conquer it. The idea there is it literally says the gates of Hades. It's like death cannot grab a hold of it. It's going to last forever. And the people who follow me are going to live forever. I just want to bring that in there because it's one of the earliest times that we see this use of the word church. And it's not talking about, again, an organization, a place, or a time. It's talking about the people. So when it's talking about a congregation, when it's talking about the church, I want you to just immediately think not of any of those other things, but of the people that you're following Jesus with because that's what it means. It's something that we do together, meaning that we have fellowship, that we have something in common. And what is that that we have in common? It is the grace of God. And that passage that we looked at, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. 
this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. How do you enter in? By God's grace through faith. It is a gift. And just to make it clear, he goes on, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Ephesian church, not by works so that no one can boast. In other words, you can't do anything to earn it. Jesus has already done everything necessary for you to receive it. That's how it works. That's why our first step is saying yes. So the first next step that we'll encourage you to take is to follow Jesus, to say yes to his uh, work on the cross as Savior and to his reigning and ruling his role as Lord. But look what it says as you go past this. And this is how the worshiping together fits together. He says, we're not saved by works, it's by grace. But we are his workmanship. He, he uh, adopts us into his family and he starts doing work in our lives. We are work, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You're not saved by works, but you are, you are recreated for good works. So there's good stuff. This is how I understand it. Prepared ahead of time for you to do. Every day when I get up, there are, there are good things that God has planned for me to do. And I want to walk in them. And this time, this setting these people that you're among is a prime opportunity to do those things. Let's look at some of the things that, um, that we can do. It says in talking about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that to each one, each believer, each follower of Jesus, the manifestation of the spirit, a spiritual gift is given. Why? For the common good. You, are, you have been given gifts and abilities and talents that are not just to make you look good and so that you could earn a living, but so that you can employ them for the benefit of others, for the common good. So it's in that context that I read the passage from Hebrews that we read, where it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now look, this is the, uh, notice that this is the main, the main verb, the main thrust of this passage. It gets talked about a lot in the context of meeting together. But the main thing is not meeting together. The main thing is to consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Part of the read of the people around you. Yes, you're going to grow. Yes, you're going to make progress. Yes, you're going to be encouraged. But a big part of how that happens is God using you for his purposes among the other people in this circle. So we're considering how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Then it says, subordinate causes, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. I've highlighted the parallels. Very often in scripture, you see parallels. So meeting together is paralleled with encouraging one another. Think about that for just a second. What if when you, came, when you started looking for a church, when you came in on a Sunday morning, your main thing was not, what am I gonna get out of it? How am I, what, what, what benefit is this gonna be for me? How can I give? We're meeting together 
and, and part of my role here is to encourage the other people around me. How can I serve them? How can I encourage them? How can I be a benefit to them? And this just goes on and on. Where, when, when do you have in your schedule, I'm going to set aside some time to do the one another's. We're told to serve one another. We're told to welcome one another. And that has the idea, it's so much richer than just saying, hey, glad you're here. It's the idea of receiving, of accepting someone. Have you ever been in a relationship where somebody knows you really well and loves you anyway? That's the kind of welcome. That's, that's what this means. It means receiving one another. We're told to greet one another. And again, that's not peace be with you. You know, that's fine as far as it goes. But, but the, the rest of that, greet one another with a holy kiss is what it actually says. We don't do that. I'm not encouraging that. Uh, you know, but, but I have had people say, you know, I, I just needed a hug from somebody. Today. I just needed that, that, that warm human fellowship. And and you're not going to get that sitting at home. You need that. Now, use some discernment. I think a lot of problems in the church would be solved if people would just take to heart. Don't be weird. You know, just don't, don't be weird. Don't be creepy. You know, and, and this is an opportunity where this happens. I am not a hugger. You know, I, you're not going to walk in the door and get a hug from me, generally speaking. But, but... <laughs> <laughs> there are times where you need the warmth of human touch. Appropriate, welcome. If you're wondering about it, ask. If you're thinking, oh, this isn't a problem for me, ask somebody that knows you. It, 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 it may be. But, but that, uh, that can't happen sitting at home. That can't happen listening to a podcast. And there's an aspect to that that we need. Another one another. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Again, when in your schedule, do you have set aside a time where you can fulfill the one another's of being a follower of Jesus, of being a part of the family of God and citizens in his kingdom? This is one of the prime opportunities that we have to do that. So we worship together weekly. Setting aside this time is an act of worship. It's not something that we can do on our own. Being a follower of Jesus is not a lone ranger kind of deal. It's something that we do together and we do it on a weekly basis. And here's where we'll end up. We talked about how this is rooted in creation. Exodus 20, 11, six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything you see, everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested, not because he was tired, he, he ceased because he was finished with his work. And then built into creation is this rhythm of a seven-day week with a time for weekly rest. It was started at creation. It was reinforced in the church when we shifted to a Sunday when it says on the first day of the week. What's this, what happened on the first day of the week in the early church? Book of Acts. We gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper Paul was preaching. I think it was so amazing. Look, this is 2,000 years ago. The habit of what we do today and what thousands of people in thousands of settings around the world, this is, what they, this is what they did. And this is what we have been doing as followers of Jesus since then. 
it became called the Lord's Day, as we looked at before. This is the uh, Apostle John when he was about to receive the revelation that became the book of Revelation. And it says, it was the Lord's Day and I was worshiping. It was the Lord's Day and I was worshiping. I would love it if every one of us Every one of us who considers Cornerstone a part, uh, your, your home church. Everyone watching and listening. Everybody who's considering following Jesus. What if it was just a default? It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping. I, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to decide. It's the Lord's day. And so I am worshiping. You want to avoid getting stuck you want to avoid stalling out in your relationship with Jesus. Avoid getting stuck in your spiritual progress. This is, I believe, God's design to keep you going. I'll leave you with this final picture. When I was a little kid, I got a, it must have been a birthday or Christmas, I think it was a birthday present actually. It was a Hot Wheels track so Hot Wheels are just the little matchbox cars and you would set up an oval track and it had a little crank and the crank was attached to wheels and so you would turn the crank and as the cars came by, the wheels would grab a hold of it and send it around the circle again. And so you keep cranking, you keep cranking, the, put the car in, zoom, it goes around, it comes around, hits the wheels again, zoom, it goes around, it goes around. To me, that has always been a great picture of church. I mean, we, we need that little, that little zoom, that little boost on a regular basis to kind of get that car around the circle. Now, I'm getting a little old. So I looked for these tracks and you can't get them anymore. They've been upgraded. Let me show you. <laughs> So you may have been wondering what this uh, table covered up over here was. This is my illustration for this message. Whoa. Damon, help me out a little bit. Or Jim, you got it? All right. Yeah, you have to really force it down. Okay. I was trying to keep track of that. All right, all right, need a little bit of repair here, but this is what it looks like today, which I think is kind of appropriate because this is some of your, this is what your week looks like, isn't it? This is, this is a little bit more realistic about what your week looks like. You're doing the loop-the-loops and you're not sure you're going to make it. So uh, now I don't have to crank anymore. It's got batteries. So I just flip the switch there, and the same principle applies. It drops in, it hits the wheels, and it keeps going. Isn't that great? So this is a great picture. This, you need this in your life. Oh, sometimes you got to restart. Sometimes you got to restart. You get out of habit, you just jump right back in. And this came with multiple cars, so this is where it gets really exciting, okay? Oh, man. That one didn't work. It's 
So what happens if it doesn't work? You just drop back in again. Some of you have fallen out of the habit. Oh man, come on. This is the best one. Livy and I played with this for like 45 minutes last night. And we, we tested all five cars and this was the best one. Now, the other point I would make is when you're going, eventually one of them is gonna fall out. If you're in a household together, if you are in relationship with somebody else and you stall out, that can affect somebody else. So drop back in again, keep the thing going. Yeah, these, these were the best cars. They, keep, they could keep going for a long time. What? I can't hear you because this is so loud. The heavenly kiss. Oh, uh, this one is already losing paint because it's had some uh, it's had some run-ins. But you get the idea. I want you to keep going. And one of the best things that I can prescribe to you is what we're doing today. So let's keep at it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you prescribed a way for us to keep going, to get the encouragement and the energy and the, the strength that we need to make one more loop around the track. Lord, I pray that each one of us will have a deep and abiding conviction about Sunday morning worship, about weekend worship, about gathering together, that we will come into it not just to be encouraged, which we will be, but also to serve, which we'll have the opportunity to do. And Lord, may you, as you have promised, would you please build, add to, grow your church. And we thank you, Lord, for the promise that even the very gates of hell, death itself, cannot conquer your congregation gathered together. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Have a great week.